what I love the most about it wasn't even like sharing the episode at the end of it. It was the whole process of like finding the guest, recording, editing, like figuring out like the the whole business side of it. Like I can't even remember going to sunbiz.org because I'm in, I'm in Florida where you register your business, like your LLC, right? And like thoroughly enjoying that. Most people are like, I don't want to do that, you know? But I was like, cool, I got to have a bank account, like just in case I bring in some affiliate commission, like setting all up, talking to my CPA. Yeah, I look back now and like, yeah, sure, I was just starting a podcast. But now that I look back, I'm like, I was starting a business. Like that was a practice for what my future was going to look like. Podcast Junkies 261, welcome back after a bit of a hiatus. I'm your host, Harry Turan. If you are new to the show, this is the one where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting and come and talk about their shows and uh, whatever else is coming up for them. In case you missed last episode, we had a great conversation with Sue Stockdale, host of Access to Inspiration. I was able to get a bit of a recharge over the past week as my partner and I did a little bit of traveling across the country and got to visit Colorado, Nebraska, and South Dakota for a much-needed reboot and connection with nature. So if you're not doing that or have those planned this summer, please make sure it's super important health mentally and physically-wise. This week, I speak to a friend of the show, Alex Sanfilippo. He's a founder of a company called Podmatch and also the host of Creating a Brand. As an entrepreneur and a podcaster, he joined us this week to discuss all the good things he's doing in the world of podcasting. In addition to the host of Creating a Brand, which is the top 20 entrepreneurship podcast, Alex's goal is to help individuals grow faster personally and professionally. In this episode, we talk about his entrepreneurial journey, how launching a podcast was critical to preparing him to start his business. And Alex also opens up about his growth as a podcast host and the wealth of knowledge he's gained from the guests he's had on the show. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite and the link will be in the show notes as well. We have a nice heart-to-heart as we talked about core values and what he loves most about podcasting as a medium, and also what excites him about his latest project, Podmatch, which is providing a valuable resource for the podcasting community. Really love this conversation with Alex, and I think you will too. As always, full show notes, any resources mentioned, available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 261. If you want to support the show, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastjunkies. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But now let's get into this conversation with Alex. Alex Sanfilippo, host of Creating a Brand and founder of Podmatch. Thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, Harry, really glad to be here, man. Thanks so much for um, having me. So much to talk about. <laughs> it feels yeah, like a lot. We were yeah. already talking before we hit record. We had to stop. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and for the benefit of the listener, I've, I've known about Alex for, man, is it almost a year? Maybe it's. I think it's, it's getting pretty close. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably. Nine, 10 months at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think you came across my radar with the work you were doing around Podmatch. And then we've, we, is usually the case with me and my OCD tendencies. I had tons of feedback. <laughs> this <laughs> no, is great, I, but. <laughs> you've been really helpful uh, for all the listeners that have been with Harry for a long time. You probably know this about him. He loves to help. And so, like, the first time I had a call, it was probably like 45 minutes. I'm like, hey, man, I, like, I tried to get 15 minutes of your time. You give me 45. I'm like, I wasn't trying to like take advantage of your time. You're like, no, no, no. Here's 20 things you need to go look at. So the first call, the second call was about two months where I was just like going through all these resources and stuff. Yeah. But super helpful, man. As a first time founder of a SaaS company, software as a service, you've been a great guide along the way. So thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think what I like about you, and we can talk a little bit about your background, so it's probably gonna be a surprise, but you were really consistent in terms of like the notes and how you turn that into actionable steps. So, so, you know, we can have that as a jumping off point before you started the company and let us know about the timing with the podcast, but you had a a previous career in a completely unrelated industry. Yeah. To dive into that, that career was 15 years actually, and it was in the aerospace industry. I should give the disclaimer. I wasn't an astronaut, a fighter pilot, or 
a skydiver. And that's like the popular belief. When I say aerospace, people are like, oh my gosh, like this guy has been to the moon. It's well, you can just stop happened. it there. Like when people say that, say like, I'm in aerospace and just like, and then go get a drink or something like that. I really, sh- <laughs> you know what I should do? I should be like, it's classified. I can't really talk about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Why not? Well, truth of the matter, I was behind a computer and <laughs> I was running a commercial operations division. So I ever saw five departments. My job was profit margins and processes, making sure we're making money and we're doing so efficiently. And that's, I loved it, but that's what I was doing, not going to the moon. So. Well, for someone who was going to end up starting their own company, a focus on profits and processes is probably a good skill you learned. Yeah. You know, I really, I'm so thankful for it. And leaving that job after 15 years was bittersweet. I think a lot of people, when they think, uh, like I'm an entrepreneur at heart, always have been, when they think leaving a nine to five, like, oh, that had to feel so good. And honestly, like it was nice because I had created something for myself that was showing the the potential to replace that salary. But leaving was a tough decision. Like the last day I left, I was I was sad to walk out of that building. But I am very thankful for the skills I developed during that time, the education they brought me. I've had education that I would have never been able to afford on my own. And the company was always helping me grow and develop further. When I got started, I didn't start as that commercial operations director. I started as a part-time receiving guy which is translation for breaking down boxes and taking out people's trash for them, you know? Like, so it was over many years I was able yeah, to, yeah. to work my way up to that. But I'm so thankful for that time. It was very beneficial for me. So how did you end up in that industry? Is that something you were always passionate about in school? Did you like science? Did you like math? No, I didn't like any of that stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> what I really liked doing was building something. Like I just enjoyed the act of doing that, learning something new, always being challenged. And actually what got me there is it was right around the time the economy was tanking. And I had some investment properties and stuff like that. And obviously, that just wasn't going to be a good business at that point, especially for someone so young. I was really young, late teens, early 20s, when I started getting properties. And I, I thought it was really cool at 18 buying a property without a cosign. But now I realize my dog could have bought a property by itself. So, But after that tank, it was like, no, you don't have a million dollars in the bank. You can't buy anything anymore. Anyway, so that's when I got into aerospace. And thankfully, my dad has was in aerospace. He's actually, still his day. He still works in the aerospace industry. And having that name, Andy Sanfilippo, behind my last name really helped a lot. So I was able to get an interview and get a part-time job to kind of work my way into the company. So that was a pretty cool thing. What was it like growing up with your father working in the aerospace industry? Yeah, it was honestly really cool. My dad's always been a big inspiration. When I was young, he worked a lot. He was building businesses and things like that. And he is so, so talented. He has like a, an, the mind of an engineer, but he's not like technically an engineer, you know, like, but he has that mind. And I've always been really inspired by him. He's always really been helpful. Even I actually was seeking his counsel when I was planning on leaving the aerospace industry. Like after all those years, I was like, hey, dad, like you got me this job. You helped me like along the way. Like without him, I wouldn't have been where I was. And I was like, what do you think of this? And he's like, oh, now's the best time for you to do that. He's like, you should definitely go for it. He goes, what's the worst that could happen? You have to go get another job somewhere? I'm like, good point, man. Like, yeah, like, but I, I wanted to have that call with him before I made a decision, but really helpful the whole way through. I mean, I had a great relationship with my dad growing up. Couldn't be more thankful for that because not everybody has that. So it's something that I still today cherish. Yeah, you said you mentioned he wasn't an engineer by trade and that he was, you mentioned he was building businesses. So is that part of where you got the entrepreneurial like idea, the inspiration, the bug, or just seeing that that was something that's possible? Yeah, I think that just kind of growing up with that mindset, yeah, I think I really got it from there. I mean, when I was a kid, I was selling used golf balls to the golfers across the street. I'd go dig the, the golf balls out of the lakes. That was me when I was 10 and 12, like 10 to 12 years old. After that, you're not cute anymore, so you can't get away with it. And they're like, give me that ball back, kid. But when you're between 10 and 12, they're like, I'll give you $3 for a Pro V1 golf ball, right? So yeah, like I was doing a bit of that even as a kid and just remember really, really enjoying it. And I found different things throughout high school. And my dad was always, again, really supportive whenever I was doing that. He was like, oh, that's so cool. Like really great idea. Really cool here. Really cool there. Right. Like, and he was just kind of sharing that type of thing. So I think it was just kind of, I was brought up in it, if you will. And, but I, at the same time, had no problem working for an organization. I mean, I don't think that they would say anything negative about me being like, well, Alex was too much of a free spirit in the job. Right. Like I understood the authority and the processes and things like that as well. Yeah, it's so interesting because it gave you both perspectives, you know, having that hustle from early on, you know, getting digging those golf balls out of the lake (laughs) and and knowing the fact that you were able to rattle off like the actual like mark of it and knew what the value of a golf ball like that would be is hilarious too. But then the discipline and the processes that come into play when you're working in a company, 
especially something in, I imagine airspace is an industry where things are, they run a pretty tight ship there. <laughs> and so like, it's very obvious if folks are not pulling their weight, things are not getting done on time. So it's, it's nice to sort of have that to both aspects of the importance of building a business. Yeah, man, you couldn't have said it better. It's so true. Like it's really technical there. So like the, there are certain spots in the floor you can even walk. Like there was tape around the floors when you're in the shop and things like that. And there's just no room for air, but we had a lot of processes in place to make sure that, that we wouldn't be making mistakes, right? There's a lot of people who rechecking things and it gets a little tedious for sure. But again, it was a job that I loved and it, it taught me the importance of quality, not perfection, but quality. And I've carried that with me throughout starting a podcast, starting a business now. It's been very beneficial. Again, without doing those 15 years, and if I tried to start this without that, I don't know what would have happened already, but probably not the outcome I've already seen, that's for sure. You said something that really caught my attention. You said it, it's quality, not perfection. And I've, I've ex expressed it before as uh, perfect as the enemy have done, but is that something that they actively talked about or is that was that just understood that, look, as long as you're doing the best you can, you won't always get it perfect, but as long as you at least take pride in what you, you put out there, you'll be fine? No, actually, they more so drove a perfectionist mindset, if anything else, because there's just, again, there's no room. You think this stuff that we're building was going on airplanes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you can park on a cloud and be like, something's wrong. What's, how can yeah. we troubleshoot? Like, yeah, it falls yeah. out of the sky if there's a problem. So it was yeah. more so perfection was driven into, into all of us. So for me, I had to learn that balance because I remember for a few years, that job, when I started getting higher up in positions, I started struggling with stress, like really mm. bad. Like, dude, I started losing my hair in my mid twenties. And like, it's funny now I'm like in my early thirties, maybe mid 33. I don't know what that number actually is, but you know, I have more hair now than I did eight years ago because wow. like I learned to manage that stress of like, okay, Alex, perfect won't happen, but I can just do my best to do what I'm doing with excellence and feel proud for letting this go. And that came through a lot of, a lot of reading, a lot of listening to podcasts and things like that. Just things to really like help me get that correct mindset. And instead of the big corporate mandate that felt like perfection is what we're after, right? Yeah, I think people take for granted the amount of rigor and discipline that goes into something that comes out of like airline, aerospace industries where you build stuff and if you don't build it right, like people can die. <laughs> right, yeah. It's crazy. You mentioned podcasts now, so is that around the time you were thinking of starting your own? Like how did that, where did that seed sprout? Yeah, so actually what made me decide to start podcasting. First off, I, I love podcasts, like listening to them. So I'm like, you know what? I haven't really quite found what I wanted in a podcast necessarily. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and make one. Sound like something that was fun to do. And around this time is when that company I was working for went public. So it went from a private company where I can make a decision for any one of my five departments. And a week later, we could be doing it to now we have a board of directors, we have shareholders. It's a multi-billion dollar company now. Like oh. It changed a lot really quick. And it was still, it was running actually probably even better. However, when I had an idea, it was six months to implementation now because it has to go to a board, it has to go to shareholders, it has to determine how this is going to happen, right? So there was so many things that happened during that time that, that made me realize that I was kind of not feeling like an entrepreneur anymore because my decisions couldn't be made as quick as they could previously. So that's what made me decide to start a podcast. It was like the side hustle to kind of I guess, scratch that itch, if you will, of like doing something that I felt like I was actually creating in real time and could leave an impact with. So that's why I decided to start it because like, you know what, it wasn't like I'm trying to leave. It was more so like, I just need to somehow feel like I'm still an entrepreneur because right now I'm in big corporate and that's the way all companies go. I mean, if they do well, they're going to get there and that's okay as long as you have something on the side. So I really started that podcast with no intent of leaving that job anytime soon. What point did you start mentioning to people at work that you had a podcast or did someone eventually just find out? <laughs> you know, I was actually, it's, I shared it like with everybody I could, but I was nervous to tell people at work. And because the misconception of podcasting is that I'm going to start one and six months later, I'm going to be making a million dollars a month off of advertisements <laughs> and I'm going to quit yeah, my yeah, job, yeah. right? Like of course. that's a, a very common misconception that you've... you mean that, that that hasn't happened. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> anyway, I digress with that. But, uh, a couple of weeks after I launched, I started like telling a few people that had a podcast. I tried to keep it like down low, but like then it spread like a wildfire. And I remember my CEO, I'd only been working for him for like a year and a half. And he like walked up to my desk and was like, hey, I was like, hi. <laughs> He's like, I really like your podcast. It's really good. <laughs> I was like sweating. I'm like, 
he's gonna say next <laughs> that was all he had to say he's like it was really good he like he specifically called out an episode that he's like yeah i actually learned a lot from this guy that, that you had on and i was oh, like that's cool and he just walked away i was like okay you know like all right. Um, but anyway, after that, it was kind of everyone talked about it and stuff and regular people were like, oh, I saw you had this guest and you had this person. So it became a fun thing among me and my team because again, that shock initially of like, oh my gosh, is he trying to leave? Wasn't there anymore. It was more like, this is just something Alex does for fun. The rest of us, we go to bars and <laughs> go play golf and Alex yeah, yeah, yeah. does podcasts, you know? So it was just kind of one of those things that was, was fine after it kind of settled a little bit. How did you decide on the premise, what you were going to talk about, the topic, all that stuff? Yeah. So for me, again, being in that corporate environment, I didn't have a ton of time and podcasts were one of my primary places and ways to learn. So what I realized was missing is I couldn't find many shows and disclaimer here to your listeners. Most people don't like this kind of show I'm about to describe. Like it's not super popular, but I wanted something that was more like a keynote or a masterclass, if you will. So it's just straight to the point information. So when I bring on a guest to talk about, I don't know, public speaking, they're going to give us five steps for public speaking and how they've been able to grow their practice with that. And there's no like, where'd you go to school? Where did you learn this? Were you nervous? It's just like, give us five things we can do and let's get like from start to finish. So it tend to be shorter episodes, but it's very action packed. And I always recommend people have a notepad with you, you know, like have your notepad on your phone or something that you can write on because it's going to be a lot of information really quick if it's something that you want. So the idea is early entrepreneurs, helping them make that first or next step in their business, the right one. And I just bring on people to talk about things that will help them do just that. And it's very, again, very focused. And I developed that because that's what I wanted. I saw that that was something that seemed to be missing. And I wanted to somehow add that value that I couldn't find. And I'm sure it's out there. I can't be the only person doing this. I could probably find a hundred of them by now because I know how to search through podcasts better and there's better apps for it. But at that point, it was just something that I was like, you know what? I'm not seeing this. I would love to be able to do this. Did you think, looking back now, that maybe... There was part of you that was starting that because you want to learn you know, what it takes to build a business or to be successful building a business. Because I think there was some part of you that <laughs> there was that seed in you that says like, oh, I may give this another try and, you know, try, why not learn along the way? Yeah, I would, I mean, you're right on it, man. Like, I, it's funny, I look back now and and I think what I love the most about it wasn't even like sharing the episode at the end of it. It was the whole process of like finding the guest recording, editing, like figuring out like the the whole business side of it. Like I can't even remember going to sunbiz.org because I'm in, I'm in Florida where you register your business, like your LLC, right? And like thoroughly enjoying that. Most people are like, I don't want to do that, you know? But I was like, cool, I got to have a bank account. Like just in case I bring in some affiliate commission, like setting all up, talking to my CPA. Yeah, I look back now and like, yeah, sure. I was just starting a podcast. But now that I look back, I'm like, I was starting a business. Like that was a practice for what my future was going to look like. And yeah, it was an important moment for me and something that I'll always look back and really cherish. Like I love doing my podcast still this day. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, it definitely kind of set me off on a course that maybe I didn't expect. But yeah, you're insightful enough to see that, I think. So <laughs> I can't help but think of that cartoon with the baby and he's wearing a suit. What is that? The baby billionaire or billionaire baby or what's it called? Uh, you, I don't know. What, I know right? exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> it, it probably that was. was. You. <laughs> Like you probably had like a little briefcase <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you were younger instead of like, you know, Cowboys and Indians, you were playing like, let's go to the office or something like that. My mom tells me I used to have, it was a little lunchbox, but like I emptied it out and pulled all the compartments out. And she said, I put all my little toy airplanes in it. I always loved airplanes even as a kid. So she said, I just pack it full of like all these little airplanes and I carried everywhere I went. So I guess, I guess so. <laughs> probably was me. The aerospace industry, yeah. it's all coming together, man. You would have thought my podcast would have been about something aviation related. It was not. So, did you see the uh, recently saw Leonardo DiCaprio Catch Me If You Can? Have you seen that with Tom Hanks? No, I've never seen that. Uh -uh. Oh, it's really good. It's uh, he's 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 the it's an actual true story of this guy who just basically he was a con man, and he would just con people, and he he was able to convince people that he was a pilot and then he walked onto a, this is in the 70s so it's a little easier to do but he's like <laughs> right. eventually like makes it onto a plane and he's sitting in like the jump scene because he just put the suit on because he went to where like american airlines made had their uniforms made and he had a uniform made and he was able to like he didn't actually ever fly i think but he was just letting people know pretending he was like an airplane pilot it's that's what? and that's just one of the things he did you, you gotta I never see did that oh. <laughs> but oh my gosh that sounds so no, but it's scary. interesting because it's the power of like probably using some like NLP techniques or something like that. Just like literally how to like you start out with a little stuff and and he was just like you could tell he's really smart, but just kind of like that 
if only he would use that power for good instead of like trying to right. con people. So. Very persuasive. Like yeah. something that's obviously that person had something that was likable about them. Because if you're a jerk, yes, people yes. Will just be like, very I don't care likable. if you're a pilot, you're not getting on this plane. But obviously, yeah. like people are just like, oh, this guy's great. Yeah. Of course he's a yeah. pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? totally, totally. <laughs> like you make them feel bad for not inviting you to like the stuff that you want them right. to do. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some highlights from going through that experience? And like how many episodes are you up to now? Right now, I'm at 94 that are published right now when, when we're having this conversation, but I've got more than 100 in the queue, or I shouldn't say that. I have more than 10 more in the queue, oh, yeah. which will put me over 100 episodes. I don't have 100 to go. That would be crazy. Not that the listener would be surprised if you did say that. Yeah, I've got 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to that question, how do you feel you've evolved as a host since then? Yeah, you know, I think that when I first got started, I was I struggled to find guests like most people would, right? Like your first six months, especially, it's it's very tough. And I just didn't know exactly who I was looking for. Like now I understand my why more, who my ideal listener is. Like I've learned those people a lot better. And along the way, for me as a host, I've learned to communicate to those people better. So when I'm talking to somebody like, like you, Harry, I know how to be like, okay, I know which part of Harry's story is going to relate the best. And I want to make sure that I bring that out. And I do that through a lot of research. When I first got started, if you're going to be on my show, I wasn't going to read your book. And a lot of people still don't do this. But now if you have a book and we're going to talk about it, I read the whole thing beforehand. So I put in about 30 hours of research before I'll interview a guest. And I like to be really prepared. Again, I like to know that I can bring up certain topics that this person is going to know really well and be able to articulate clearly that will really help somebody. And that's taken a lot of development. So learning to listen and to ask great questions that are that are really on point for my listener are just some things I've I've gotten better and better at, and, and I hope I continue to get better at that. I definitely put my all into that. It's very important that the episode that's produced is top quality for my guests, my listener. Right? I want it to be good for both of those people. I don't actually do a lot of editing, and it's usually because it, it goes in a good direction. Like I know you don't do a lot of editing either. It's just if you bring on the right people and you have the right conversations, you don't necessarily need to pull out thirty and forty minutes of it. I guess unless you get a talker, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point because it's something that I'm actively aware of. Like as we're having conversation, if I'm intently paying attention to what you're saying, you can sometimes predict when a person is wrapping up a thought and it and in a way it helps you figure out like, okay, you know, do I want to continue that thought? Did they say something that was interesting? So all this is some sort of like happening in my brain. But I think to your point, that's why I don't tend to not do a lot of editing because I, I'm already conscious of any potential like dead air, <laughs> right? You know, as it and just from experience again, from having done like you know over 258, 60, 70 episodes, just you know understanding the nuances of like when people pause, sometimes it's just because they need to think about their answer, and they need to say, you know, do I want to give the correct answer or? the answer that I've never told anyone. <laughs> right. And sometimes it just, I feel like it's space and it contracts and expands. And, and if, as you let it expand, when you sort of feeling that you have the right guest who's feeling like comfortable and, you know, in a flow, then you just, that's something you definitely don't want to interrupt. Yeah. No, it's a good point that you bring up there. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to mention this just because you being a host, like in, at this point, many of your listeners, they've been with you for a long time now. It's a lot, it can be a lot of pressure. Like it's a little bit draining. The most interviews I've ever done in one day is three. And I don't know as I can do more than that. Like I, I obviously like I take a three week break beforehand to take a week to research each of them. But by the end of it, I'm really drained because as the host sitting on your side of the mic right now, it's a lot more pressure because you're like, okay, where is he going with this? How can I tie this back to something that my listeners care about if it goes off track, right? Like there's a lot more going on on your side. You're just telling me to, to talk about who I am, which for a lot of us is pretty simple. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so it can be a lot. Of, it can be draining. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. I believe it all pays off, but there's a lot to being on the host side of a mic, a lot more than people give it credit for. Let's put it that way. If you're going to do it well. Yeah. Especially when you mentioned doing 30 hours of research on a guest and, and then you sometimes feel like, well, I got to get some of these questions in. So sometimes that's a challenge because I'm probably on the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm just, I like, I know enough to know where I want the conversation to go. But then, like I've said to people before, it's the listener learning about you sometimes at the same time I do as well. Yeah. So it, it's, if I don't know something, I'll just ask you and pull apart the threads that interest me and Hopefully, uh, if you're listening to the show, then they'll interest you as well. So. <laughs> you know, but th that's like, you're a good, you ask good questions and you listen really well. Not, I'm not saying I'm bad at those things, but the way that I've made my podcast, again, being like very actionable, practical information that's really fast. 
I don't have a lot of room in there, right? Like, so it's it's very pointed questions that have like a specific answer that is actionable. So doing it that way, I think is why I do this research. A person who does it the way you do it more so is John Lee Dumas, like one of the biggest podcasts out there, right? He says he doesn't even look up most of those people other than the fact to make sure that they're gonna be a good guest, right? That's about as far as he goes. He prefers to know nothing, but he's a great listener and ask really powerful questions that make for a good episode every time. Similar how do you do it? You do the same thing. You ask really great questions. You keep a good conversation going. So it's just a matter of preference. And maybe I don't have enough faith in myself to ask good questions if I don't know all this stuff already. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it, this is the way I do it and it works really well for me. I think for you, it might have to be a separate show. So, because you would, I think if you have a certain level of quality that, that you've had in the show up until this point because of the preparation, because how much time you put into it, I don't know that you could switch gears <laughs> for this specific right. show and just because you'd feel like, oh man, I'm not living up to like the quality that I, the, other, the previous shows had. So, if right. you want to call it, creating a brand after dark or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think one show along with my company is enough for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and is there a memorable connection you made or a conversation you had? Because once you get to close to 100, you, you do speak, start to end up speaking to some interesting folks. Yeah. So from like my guest standpoint, right? You're talking about the people who've been on the show. Yeah, yeah. man. I've had just some really cool connections and people I've been able to meet. I could go in a hundred different directions here, but like one I'd say that has been really great is Scott Miller. I think you might know Scott, I, I believe maybe Scott Miller. He's the, uh, the Franklin former, Covey. yeah, Frank, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, former CMO of Franklin Covey Co. Now he's an advisor. He runs their on leadership podcast, but he's just been a great guy along the way. Like he's, we've like, I've had him on the show twice now. The first time on the show was very early on. Like, I think he was my 30th episode where I was still super nervous. I did read his book beforehand. So I did that much. But uh, since that time, he's kept up with me via text. He always messaged me and stuff like that. And anytime we get on a call, he's always like, hey, man, I love watching your journey. He goes, I, I stay up with everything you're doing. And this guy's like high, strong, That's super so fast cool. paced. Yeah. And last time I was on a call with him, he's like, all right, I got to go. He's like, I have a call with uh, Bill Gates in a few minutes. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, he's an old friend. And then just hangs up. I'm like, Bill Gates is an old friend of yours. What are you talking about? You know, That's like, so funny. but anyway, so that's it. And he's just been a great mentor for me along the way as well from a leadership standpoint. Like that's just, that's been his craft all along. So that's one, I could mention 10 or 20 others, but it, it's just been really great to build relationships with some people that I never thought I'd meet or have the opportunity to collaborate with, if you will. Yeah. And so for listeners, Scott was on Podcast Junkies episode 230. And that was a a good conversation. I think I'm. He's scheduled for a follow up as well because I think he does have the the new book out. So, yeah, yeah, sure does. That's cool. Yeah, it's really nice. He's fast paced, by the way. I did. <laughs> I need very, for him. I actually like the second time I brought him on. I already know his personality. I prepped. I read the book, so I did do that. But then, other than that, I prepped for maybe thirty minutes when I'd usually do another ten hours with somebody else. I just know how he is. He comes on. He knows his content. He is oh, ready yeah. to go from one to five, like ready to go, like. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to, you probably don't want to 2X that episode between you and Scott, because I imagine you guys are already going. <laughs> oh yeah, at, for sure. Yes. <laughs> it got really loud. <laughs> That's hilarious. So it's funny. Do you ever have to explain to people like outside of podcasting, like what you do or like that you talked about that benefit of like meeting through a podcast, like how powerful it is as a vehicle, because like you said, I look forward to these conversations because I get an hour and when I'm done, I'm like, I, you know, higher vibe than I was before because like, you know, yeah. I've had people on that make me happy and, and make me love to talk about the thing that I'd love to talk about. And so I'm wondering, that seems common for us in podcasting, but do you ever try to like explain what the experience is like to anyone outside of podcasting? You know, I'll mention a couple, but the first one, it'll be really brief here. My grandfather, I was taking him to my dad's house. We were going over for like a dinner and me and my wife and him were in the car. And he's like, what are you doing for work these days? And uh, I was like, oh, I have a podcast. And he goes, he's 94. And he goes, what? I was like, a podcast. He goes, what's that? And like, I started explaining it to him. And then he just was like staring at me like while I'm driving, just not getting it. And my wife goes, it's basically like a radio show. He goes, oh, is it on AM or FM? And uh, <laughs> and that's how the conversation went with him. And finally, I was like, I'm working my way to those. I'm like, it's just not there yet. And he's like, oh, okay. And that was, that was said, the first time I said XM. I should. I don't know if you would have gotten it though, man. I, I have no idea. Funny. One time I was in the printed newspaper, which I didn't even know was a thing. And he got it and like cut out a copy of it and framed it and gave it to me. Like I, I was online and like, I didn't know that it was us. It was in like the Florida Times. Yeah. And 
it was also like in their actual newspaper. And he was like, so proud of that moment. And I was like, oh, I saw this online. He's like, didn't understand that either. He's like, what are you talking about? You saw it online and I have it right here. But anyway, so that's like one side of it. But yeah, like anytime I, I meet people, like I, I do my best to ask or to mention what I do and then ask if they understand it. Because a lot of people, I'm surprised how many people still don't understand podcasting. Like I'd say one out of, maybe this is with along with the, the stats, one out of three people I tell don't really know what a podcast is or have never listened to one. So yeah. people are like, oh, well, can you explain it? Like, what does that mean? So yeah, I've had to like really bring it down to to what I do. And I have like my very short elevator pitch, I guess you can call it. But I actually really enjoy doing that because then I can also gauge like what people do. Like instead of like, where do you get your education from? And I find most of those people are like, oh, I got a school eight years ago. I don't want anything to do with education anymore. Right. Or like personal development, I'm out. So um, those are usually people who don't know what a podcast is or don't want to listen to one. What is the uh, elevator pitch? So I go into the same thing, like I'm a podcast host and I focus on people that are early in their entrepreneurial journey. I help make that first or next step in their business the right one by giving them practical steps to make a decision that they need to make. And I do this by bringing on subject matter experts and thought leaders on topics that again, matter to those entrepreneurs that are early in their journey. Boom. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> a, pretty... a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like saying it like on a podcast because it just sounds so like robotic, but <laughs> I dress it up. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny because it's helpful because you have to, you've, it feels like you've kept adding to it as you've had to explain different parts of what it is you do. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you've got the podcast now. You're getting inspired by all these people that you're having conversations with. You're no doubt starting to meet other people in the podcasting community. And you've already demonstrated that you have the entrepreneurial bug. So tell me how all these now pieces are starting to coalesce into what uh, will become Podmatch. Yeah. So, you know, the, if I could go back to the beginning of when I started my podcast, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about podcasting. Like I had no clue what I was doing. So I just reached out to random people to help. So people that I saw had a podcast and I fully expected them to be like, no, because I'm already in the entrepreneurship space because I come from big corporate aerospace, very competitive, very, very competitive. So when I started, I'm like, great, these people aren't going to want to help me because they have an entrepreneurship podcast. They're going to be afraid I'm going to take their listeners, right? Like that was my initial mindset and thought behind it. But as I met these people, they didn't care. As a matter of fact, they're like, oh, I'll share you my email list. Maybe some people who listen to my podcast will also listen to yours. And I was like, what is this? You know, like what is going on here? And I just realized so fast how kind in general podcasters are. And maybe I just got around the right people, but everyone I've met, I mean, you're another oh, yeah. example of that. Like we've had so many calls and I have never given you a dime. I don't know if I'm going to get a bill one day, but as of right now, <laughs> I feel like you're just a friend that's willing yeah. to help out. And that just happened time and time again when I got started, and especially the first year. People just came alongside me and really helped elevate my podcast, helped it to do well. And so about a year in is really when I was, actually, it was even before a year in, I was just thinking, you know what, I, somehow, some way, I want to do my best to help people that are in podcasting. Like if there's anything I can do, like not being, never will I arrive, I will always be the student, but I'm, I'm a little further along than somebody who's like taking those, those first moves, right? Or just getting started, have their first 10 episodes out. And so I told my wife, I'm like, I'm devoted to helping podcasters. If I can find a way to do this, I'm going to. So almost immediately, I started speaking at conferences and at that point, traveling around. And now I've done a ton of virtual events as well. And along the way, I've just been asking people, how can I help? What are you struggling with? Is there something I can do? Is there someone I can introduce you to if I don't, you know, if it's not me, you can help. And I've just been really intentional with asking that because I want to serve the people that I care about. And that's that's like one of my number one core values in my life personally is just to take care of the people that I love and I appreciate and build a community around it. So podcasting has been my space for that. So where did that core value come from? For me, everything stems from, from my faith. So I'm Christian. I follow Jesus, like read the Bible every day type of thing. Like that's what I've based my life upon. And when I look at that, maybe I'm not like a traditional Christian, if you will, but I look at the life of Jesus and he's someone who just lived to serve people. And so for me, I want to operate out of integrity. So everything I do be above board, like don't break the law, don't do bad things, right? And then just take care of people, love them where they're at, serve them however I can and do my best in the space and the avenue that I'm in. Like I don't go out of my like sphere of influence, right? So like I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to go serve this random group over here because I don't know those people. I know podcasters, that's my community. And so yeah, for me, it all stems back to my faith and like I'm really driven by that. That's the most important thing in my life. It's obvious for me and, and, you know, how for the interactions we've had since we've been friends and get to know each other that, you know, that's a quality that comes through very strongly for, from, uh, to me, from you. And I can definitely like, <laughs> for the benefit of the listener, let them know that's exactly the vibe I get from you, that you just really cool. like 
you know, take pride in what you do. And you also come with that, that mindset to serve, which comes, which, which comes through pretty strongly as well. Thanks, man. That, that means a lot. I mean, again, that being what I based my life on, if you had been like, oh, I never noticed that. I've been like, ah, maybe I need to change something. But no, your words right there, that means a lot. That really, yeah. uh, that's very encouraging. Thank you for saying that. So you're having these conversations, you're getting feedback as to what people need or what they're struggling with, right? Yeah. So you know what's interesting? Going back to my show, like I learn a lot from my show. Like when I started, think about it. Like I was in big corporate and I'm talking to young entrepreneurs just getting started in their own side hustle or, or business. So that, like that's where I was when I was starting this, this podcast. So I was learning a lot. And I remember it was right before I went to a conference in Orlando, Florida. I talked to this guy named Dane Maxwell and he has a book called Start From Zero. Oh yeah. And uh, he did The Foundation. The Foundation. Oh yeah. 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 I joined that uh, program. Oh cool. Okay. (laughs) Before I even became a podcaster and I was doing my entrepreneurial like, what am I going to do? I joined that. That was one of his first programs, The Foundation. And uh, yeah, because every time you say Dane Maxwell, I think of Dane Cook, the comedian. I'm like, no, he's not. (laughs) No, no. It's a different guy. Thank you. But I'm like, oh yeah, Dane. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, a, he's like the OG entrepreneurial coach, like <laughs> from yeah. from back in the day. He really is, and he's kind of the guy who learned to do it all very passive, right? Like he does, he's very hands off with everything. When I interviewed him, he was just sitting in his studio playing his guitar. I'm like, "What are you doing today?" He's like, "Uh, I don't think anything." I was like, "Oh no!" Like, I think maybe he was a little bit depressed, but I don't know. At that, point, he seems to be doing well now. He has a book out, and yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's just great at streamlining it. But nonetheless, the, the reason I brought that up is because. I've always trusted a lot in my ideas coming in aerospace. Like I seem to have a lot of good ideas for growing the company, but when it came to entrepreneurship and these side hustles and different things I wanted to do, not a lot of them really took like had merit. Like what I was trying to do was like, okay, I'm two weeks in this and it's just not a good idea. And this one's a bad idea too. And his advice to me was stop trying to come up with ideas. He's like, they're not good. And I was like, that's interesting. He's like, instead find the people you care most about, which that immediately spoke to me. I'm like, oh, that's like one of my core values. And he said, and find a problem that they have that in common that they have and make a solution for that. Come up with an idea based off mm, the problem. And so that good. to me is like, change the way I look at business altogether. Like when someone's like, Alex, you have a lot of good ideas. I'm always like, nah, I don't really. But if somebody I know has a problem, I can make an idea off of that. And so when I was at this conference in Orlando, I got off stage when I spoke and whether you're a good or bad speaker, people line up to talk to you. It's just the way it goes. And I told my wife, I'm going to try to talk to as many people here as I can that are podcasters and ask them what they're struggling with. And the commonality I heard from throughout this whole thing, I talked to just over 100 people and it was that I'm having trouble finding the right guests for my podcast. Not any guests, like their mom would be on the show, I'm sure, and their siblings, right? But they're like the right person that's going to speak to the audience that I'm trying to serve. And I came home with that realizing, okay, I got these people's contact information. I was like, here's what people are saying. They're saying they're struggling with finding guests. What can we do? And it took me a little bit, took me actually like a full week for it to like really hit me. But then I realized, I'm like, oh, what if we did something like a Hinge or a Tinder, like an online dating app that connected guests and hosts together? Would that work? And that's really where the idea for for my business came from. But it was just, again, going back to the point here was serving the people and finding a solution to the problem that the people that I care about had. Very cool. I love that story. When you were thinking about that and did you know or you had a relationship with your co-founder can you tell a little bit about how you guys got connected yeah it's a good point because really it wouldn't have been where it is today without that he's somebody that i knew for many he was actually my wedding like at this point it's almost 10 years ago that he was in my wedding and we knew each other a few years before that even and we worked together one time about four years beforehand and we just did like a project together and me i'm more like the the front facing like sales marketing guy which i'm not great at those things but you know like someone's got to do that side but i kind of go with the vision and decide how we're going to get out to market and he is a great developer like incredible the guy can do i don't know how he does this like i can like write down something on a whiteboard and have it in my mind and he'll like create it and it works So like I called him the same night I wiped, like when it hit me, I was like actually doing a kettlebell workout outside because at this point the world had shut down. So like outside, of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I just put down the kettlebell, ran inside and had, I have three whiteboards in my office and I just mapped this whole thing out. And then I, I immediately called him I'm like, Hey, Jesse, we haven't worked together in a long time, but like, we know we work well together. Would you want to do this? And crazy thing is that was a Tuesday and on that Sunday, uh, two days prior, he had just finished up a project. So he's like, yeah, I'm open. Like he had a full-time job still, but he's like me. He always has like some sort of side hustle. So we just drafted up something real basic and later on went and got a real attorney, but just like a 50-50 partnership. We both put $2,500 into an account 
and said, we're going to bootstrap this thing with five grand and see what happens. But having that relationship with him was really helpful and him being ready to be on board. It mm -hmm. was like just perfect timing and worked out when we hit the ground running that same night, yeah. we both started working like that night. That's the mindset. It seems like that's how you tackle problems. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so how were those early days? Because it, it was interesting. It feels like you had the product market fit, which is really important when people talk about like entrepreneurial ideas and business and, and products to sell. So I would imagine some of those people that you had early conversations with were some of the folks you started reaching out to. Yeah. So like, again, going back to that conference, I was getting those people's contact information. So when we launched, this was March 10th, 2020. And on June 15th, 2020, when we launched into early beta, we launched with those 100 people. Like they were the people that tested for us. But awesome. our whole goal before that was just to get like an MVP out. So minimal viable product, right? Like absolute bare bones. There was no logo. There was typos on the website. Like it was rough, you yeah. know, but the idea, and we told them like, hey, this thing is free. There's no charge. You just tell us if it does what it's supposed to do or if we're missing something or if it's not interesting, like just tell us. And I learned a lot in those few months about developing a product because one day I'd tell Jesse, hey, I got this idea. Here's what we should do. And the next day I'd be like, scratch that whole thing. Let's do this instead. I think this would be better. And he's like, dude, you don't understand how much work is involved in backtracking. He's like, we have to get this thing right. Yeah. And I made a ton of mistakes. It took us probably eight months to correct along the way. And now I tell people this all the time, like next time I launch a SaaS business, a software as a service, it's going to be really great because now I've like understand what you can and can't do. And same with Jesse. He understands what you can and can't do from that regard. But it was our first go at it. So our goal was just to get that thing to that MVP, like start ugly, doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to do something that people can test it and tell us, hey, are we in the right or wrong direction? And Jesse's probably like, stop talking to Harry because every time you do, <laughs> 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 it seems like we would. Yeah. So he and I would, we still meet together in person every Tuesday. Oh, so great. he actually, when we started this business, he lived in on the other side of Florida. So he lived in the other coast in like Destin, Florida. He sold his house, brought his family. There's five of them over to Jacksonville where I'm at. And, and then so we could work together at least once a week because it just helps when you can whiteboard things out together, be in the same room. Like, sure, we live in a Zoom world, but nothing beats that like interaction. But yeah, I remember like every other Tuesday, it was like, hey, Harry gave me this 20 ideas. And finally, he's like, who is this Harry guy? He's like, why does he know all this stuff? You know, like, but yeah, it was very helpful. It was part of our weekly list, if you will, was like, okay, here's a few items from Harry we need to get worked out. So, but you know, like you referenced already, like I'm intentional with that stuff. So, I don't know if we would have ever talked again if I didn't take it. If I would have just been like, cool, thanks for the help. And then just scrapped whatever yeah, you gave me. Like I made a list. I remember it was 58 items the first time we talked. And I was going through checking them off, getting them done. Some of them we like, I even told you like, this didn't make sense. And this didn't make sense. But these 20, 30 things, these were right on the money for us. And I think that's probably why we initially even built a relationship. Because you're like, oh, this guy isn't wasting my time. Like he's doing something with what I'm telling him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's exactly the feeling like... It stood out, I think, the way you, the way you tackled or just did a follow-up and the way you were like intentional about taking all the suggestions I made and just putting them into a cohesive plan, I think obviously speaks to the way you think. And uh, also, I think how you value relationships. Yeah. And when you get advice from people, like I get the sense that you treasure that. Yeah, you know, I really do. And one of the things that I'd say maybe I've struggled with, because I've done some coaching along the way that just kind of, I think it comes with being a podcast host, right? Like people are going to ask you questions. And so I had this group of these, these two guys that were chatting with me for a while and I gave them 30 minutes of my time and I gave them some very easy things to do. Like they needed a Calendly because they just were having trouble scheduling, like get a Calendly, attach something with like Stripe for invoicing right in there. So you don't have to worry about all this, get your LLC because they were just operating other personal bank accounts and stuff. I'm like, you all need to do this. And I remember like three months later, they came back to me and like, hey, we're still really struggling. I'm like, well, did Calendly work for you? Oh, we didn't do that. Do you guys have an LLC? No, we haven't had time to do that. And so like, I told them like, I can't meet with you all again, but you all can email me because it was like one of those things that like, I didn't feel valued. Yeah. And I want, and so like whenever I want people to feel the way I'd want to be treated and feel right. So like when somebody gives me advice, even if like, I've met some people that are brand new in podcasting that like know nothing and they've given me advice, I'll still take it and see if it has merit. Like I might not do it, right? But like, I'm at least going to write it down and say, you know what, did what this person say, bring a perspective that I've never, never thought about. Can I do something with this? Same with people that are really experienced. Like I take everyone really seriously because it's, again, the way I'd want to be treated. And I think being that student is going to serve you a lot better than ever pretending like you're some kind of master of something, right? So I always want to make sure that I have that side of the mindset because I don't want to miss an opportunity to learn and improve myself for what I'm doing. 
The golden rule, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> where did you pick this habit up or where did you learn that? Or is that something that comes from like your core values? Uh, for me, it comes from my core values, but I definitely didn't develop that until I was probably till I got married. I think my wife helped me grow up a lot. I, sometimes I like, I've told her a few times, I'm like, why did you marry me? Like I was such a kid when we, I was 24. Like when we got married, she was 26, I was 24. I'm like, I was like a child. <laughs> but I think that she really just helped me develop those proper mindsets and things like that. She's like super gracious and very loving. And she kind of embodies all these things. So I think I just saw it in her and I was like, man, I, I would like to be more like that. You know, like I think that I should be more like that. And so I owe her a lot to the man that I've become in many ways. So that, but that was very helpful for me along the way. How important is it to have someone like that in your corner, especially going through all the things you went through? Because there's obviously something important when you're deciding to leave a, a steady, stable job and then try and on the entrepreneurial route. And then, you know, speaking as an entrepreneur myself in, in a relationship, like understanding, like communicating good and bad days. So how has that been helpful? Yeah. You know, when I told Alicia, that's her name, it's my wife. When I told her that I was going to leave the aerospace job, I was like a little bit, I was probably most nervous to tell her because I'd never had a conversation like that with her. Like we're very transparent communication. I'd say is one of our strongest suits as a couple. And, but I was like, so I, I knew I was going to bring it up and I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to leave my job. And I'm like, I could see the immediate shock and it just took her a few minutes. She's like, no, you know what? That makes sense. She's like, I support that. She's like, that's a good call. And like having that in my corner was really helpful. But if even if you're not married, you don't have a spouse, a significant other, just getting yourself around friends that have a, a mindset of abundance, I think is so, so oh, yeah. important. I mean, having that in your corner, because that's ultimately what it is. Like Alicia has this mindset of abundance. There's always something to be learned. And now I have at this point, like after I got married, I, my friends continuously improve. Some of them are, were people I knew beforehand as well. Yeah, like Jesse being one of them, they have just kind of grown up with me. But now when I surround myself with people, it's people that have abundance mindset. And I've got some friends who have literally watched lose like tens of thousands of dollars overnight from like a bad business decision. And they're still like, oh, it's fine. You know, that just didn't work out. We'll try something else and, and keep on moving. And like seeing people with that mindset is like, oh my gosh, I guess anything is possible, right? Like yeah, within reason, of course, but like having that in your corner, I think is so important. It's actually helped me grow in my courage as an entrepreneur. Like I'm more willing to take risk, calculated risk, of course, but I'm more willing to take risk because the people in my corner, because they're like, oh, if it doesn't work, then you can try this or maybe you'll learn something from it. Right. So yeah, I mean, man, having those people, that type of person as a spouse or just friends in your corner beyond important. I couldn't imagine, I wouldn't have made any of these decisions if I didn't have that already. Yeah, this would be the time for my go-to reference to Jim Rohn. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I just, I feel like I could say that on every episode because it, it's yeah. been so, it's the one thing that like when I first heard it and took it in, it really makes you take stock of like where you're at and you just start to look around like the people that I'm with lifting me up or bringing me down and where else can I look to be around people that inspire me to want to be a better person. Yeah. You know, I think some people take this out of context. When I first heard that quote, I was like, I like that. I'm like, how do I meet Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos? Like, you know, like if I'm an average of the five people, I better get around these billionaires, right? That's not really what that means. It more so means like the mindset who's like around you that you can really build those relationships with. But I mean, I love that quote. I firmly, firmly believe that, man. That's your inner circle. Getting yourself around those right people and not pushing other people aside, but making sure that you have a little bit of a guard up. Like you, if you're hanging out with people that are getting super drunk and have like alcohol issues, right? Like five nights a week, you're probably going to become more like that. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't be friends with those people, but yeah. you just have to have a boundary of saying, okay, this person can't be my inner circle. They can be a friend and acquaintance, but I need to make sure that people I'm really spending time with and talking to, opening up to are these people that I want to be more like. Again, they don't have to be millionaires or billionaires. They just have to be people that say, that you can say, I could really learn something from this person. So I want to surround myself with them, which you know this, I'm preaching the choir right now, but <laughs> I love that quote, yeah. man. And it's one thing to just never lose sight of that. Like even there's lessons that I've learned years ago. And I think they're so important that I'm like, I don't want to forget that one. So I'm going to keep like reminding myself and keep talking about it because it's something that's important to continuously cultivate. So as you're starting to build it out, the pod match and what feedback have you gotten in terms of like enhancements to the tool and, and you know, to the extent that you can talk about anything that's coming up, what has you excited as you build that out? Yeah. So when we first got started, like I said, I made a lot of guesses and told Jesse like, oops, never mind." And some of the stuff like I just didn't know, like there was no way to really know certain things. So I did my best to seek some counsel and got some feedback and some was good, some was bad. But 
basically when we launched on June 15th, we knew it wasn't going to be great. So we did the improvements people were asking for, but I'd say we had close to between six and eight months of backtracking on certain pieces of it that I just Mm -hmm. had the wrong idea on. Like I just didn't get it right. And now, thankfully, I can say this, like when we're recording this, we've now checked off everything aside from a very few minor things that we're working on right now that people have asked for. So when we built the roadmap. We didn't design it ourselves. We said, what's wrong with it? What could be better? And again, that's where we realized I was like, oops, sorry. Like I made some huge mistakes. I thought that people would want this, but they really wanted that. And I have to backtrack, which takes even more time. But anyway, long story short, here we are like very close to a mature product. The last thing that we put on this list, which most companies do the opposite that we did, but UX has been the last thing. So user experience, yeah, yeah. the actual look and feel of it, like even the colors, the font sizes, like I'll be real. I don't know anything about that stuff. Jesse knows even less about that stuff. So we now have plans where we're going to bring on a consultant who's actually like a, a UX, like we haven't found the person, but we're like working like yeah, yeah. to find the person that's going to be like a UX person that can actually do like the technical write-ups and stuff and say, here's your color codes. Here's your font sizes. Here's your fonts. Here's what needs to be here. Here's what people like this, right? So like all those things that we just don't know, but we purposely did that last because we asked people like, what needs to make this work for you? Like if the font size is 12 or 14 doesn't affect how good the product is for somebody, right? So, but if we get complaints right now, it's actually around that. It's starting to become around that because everyone, and we regularly hear the product is great. Could you just make it prettier now? And, (laughs) you know, we live in a world people like the polish, especially when it comes to software. They want to click fast and they want it to move the way they like to move. So that's really our next big initiative is to, to very heavily dive into that UX side of things. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, we followed the roadmap along the way and just did our best to do that. Some of it was painful. Like there was a lot of work that went into it and backtracking is not fun at all because it's just time that you, sure. like for me, I'm like sitting thinking we're going to take three months to do this and we could have just built it right up front, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so it's tough. Like that mindset can be a little bit defeating at times, but, but yeah, man, that's kind of like where we're heading with this thing right now. Very cool. Well, congrats on the progress you've made. I've, I've Thank just you. even seen the growth in the time that I've been working with you. And it's something that definitely is needed in the industry, like the ability to have that marketplace for hosts and for guests to go. So we'll make sure we have links in the show notes so people can sign up. A couple questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Yeah. So something I've, there's a lot, I feel like I change my mind on a lot of things all the time. <laughs> I'm going to try to pinpoint something that I think is really important, but I think that as it relates to maybe podcasting, I think that maybe chasing after bigger download numbers is important as some people make it seem. Mm. And I think the importance started off when I launched the podcast because certain people I wanted to have on, they said, well, how many downloads do you have? And like that being the initial question, like almost built this like mindset of, okay, I have to get my downloads. I have to get my downloads up. But I stopped focusing on that about six months ago, mainly because Podmatch got really busy. So I was like, (laughs) gotta choose where my time's at. But yeah. And then I realized like the feedback I was getting on my podcast was still just as powerful and just as great. So I kind of took on this, this shifted mindset of downloads don't really matter as much as impact that I'm having on one person's life who really needs it this week, right? And some people really don't agree with that. And they say it always needs to be growing and stuff. And I guess my show probably grows pretty slow. I'm not like looking at the stats every week, but I'm more focused on, can I continue to produce something that's going to really help and serve the person who needs it most right now? And that's kind of been a big shift for me. And it actually took a lot of pressure off because at first I was like, oh, I only had like a 4% growth this month instead of 10, <laughs> like I wanted, right? Like yeah. and that would bring stress. And now I'm more like, you know what? If somebody listens and it impacts them, I hear from it. That's huge. I love that. So that's a mindset shift that I've had really recently. That's a good one because it's something that uh, podcasters need to hear early on because even as clients, they come to me and they're like, we want tons of downloads. And, and my first response is why? And they're like, you know, because of sponsorships. And I'm like, have you done the math? Like, if you get 10,000 downloads and let's say you get a $30 CPM, which is high, you're getting $30 per thousand downloads. So 10,000 means you're getting $300 per episode. And let's (laughs) say you have a monthly show, a monthly, you know, weekly episodes, you're making $1,200 in your podcast. I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, leaving their job (laughs) for 200 bucks a month for and 10,000 downloads is a lot it, that would be amazing yeah. for almost more than the top that, one yeah. that puts you in the top less than one percent yeah, right one percent but it's so i always have them think about either sponsorship or you know develop that connection for a different reason and even network building like i always say you could start a podcast invite 20 people you want to have a, a relationship with and even if you got zero downloads those 20 conversations would be worth their weight in gold yeah i couldn't agree more as a matter of fact i took the advertisements out of my podcast 
So mm. when I decided to stop focusing on the side, I had like a few call to actions and things like that. I took all that away. And I talk about Podmatch. It comes up in almost every episode. Oh, yeah, like so organically, it comes yeah. up. Like I'm not like, oh, and by the way, Podmatch, like everybody, you know, but it comes up really organic. And sometimes my guests bring it up because they're, they're aware of it as well. And that's actually converted really well for me. But it's me leading with value. I'm not telling people not to have advertisements. But for me, it just kind of helps reinforce the perspective that I have about my show right now. That's so smart. And then I tell clients that I work with is always have like your thing as the first sponsor of your show. What's interesting is what that does is it lets listeners know it's a subtle hint that says, oh, by the way, this show that you like and that you listen to on a regular basis has an ad spot. (laughs) So if you're a business owner and you're listening, you're like, oh, I like the show. I'd like to hear my business advertised on this show. So it's it's a good practice and it's good for the host too to get into the habit. You know, right. this episode's brought to you by just learn how to do those reads so that when you do get the opportunity, you're ready for it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that practice is so valuable because I've heard some ads that the hosts read that are really bad. And it's probably because I, I don't say it to be mean, but they're new at it, right? Like it was probably their first time doing that. Yeah, but if you yeah. have some practice with that, some people that do like Jordan Harbinger, uh, he's somebody yeah. that, that, you know, his ads, like, I don't want a new bed, but the way he sells it, I'm like, dude, maybe I do want a new bed, you know, <laughs> but like, he's just polished with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's because yeah. he has experience. He's done it so many times sure. at this point, gotten all the reps in. So for somebody who's new, yeah, like start off with yourself, like be your own test subject, right? Eventually you'll have that real polished sound that people are like, dang, whatever this guy's talking about, I want it. <laughs> so yeah, I like yeah. that you brought that up. That's important. It comes with time and it comes with yeah. reps as well. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? You know, I think that it's actually that I that I'm a really nice person, which sounds weird, but like I do a lot of cold outreach right now to people yeah. in podcasting to talk about Podmatch and, and things like that. We're just to collaborate, and I write personal emails, and they're very nice. Like I'll be real, my emails are really nice. Some people think they're fake, and I definitely don't mean <laughs> for it. I've been cussed out more times than you can imagine after sending like, "Hey," and like I come from integrity. So if I listen to your podcast, "Hey, I really enjoyed your podcast. Listen to this episode." Yeah. <laughs> I keep it really brief to make sure it doesn't sound like because there's a lot of spam out there. So I keep it really brief. I'm just like, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for doing that. Would love to have a conversation with you about what I'm doing. See if there's any room to collaborate. Something like that. And thanks sure, so much. Sure. No pressure or anything like that. And people will write back and they're like, F you, dude. Like, get out of here. And like, and then some of those people, they'll actually, I'll be like, hey, so sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. My bad. And sometimes they'll come around and be like, wait, can we talk on the phone? Like, I wasn't sure if you were real. We'll get on the phone. They're like, dang, you are so nice. Like, are you really <laughs> like this? And so like, it sounds weird, but people misunderstand the fact that like, I'm coming out of a genuine spot of like, I care and I definitely want to help. Some people just think maybe it's fake or I'm trying to scam people. I'm working on that, like how I can not come across that way because I'm maybe my corporate background like hurt me from like writing good emails. I don't know because yeah, they were like yeah. really that's like right. straight to the point, big words, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you know, right. like so I'm, I'm constantly unwiring that mess that maybe I have internally. But uh, yeah, I, I like could, a robot trying to be polite. I am right? sorry for your mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of how it, you know, I will admit, like if I look back at like a year when I was talking about creating a brand game, people listen to it a lot worse. Like I've gotten better and better over time. But yeah, I still have a little bit of a way to go. But I think some people realize, like uh, people think that maybe I'm being fake, but really I am a person who cares. Like I believe I'm a really kind individual. Well, that's uh, definitely something that I agree with. And uh, it comes across in everything that you do in terms of the interactions you've had, how, you know, you've tackled this project now of, of building Podmatch and how you're leading with integrity there. So I think all good things to come, I'm sure. I, I imagine it's been a pretty wild ride for you, but I'm so happy you were able to come on and share your story. It's, we, we covered a wide variety of topics, which I always yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. No, Harry, I love this podcast. I mean, Podcast Junkies is is great. I've known about it since I got started. Somebody showed it to me like, I mean, you have way, you have like almost 300 episodes or something yeah. like that at this point. And uh, yeah, someone showed me it right away. So I've been around for a while. Love what you do. Honestly, it's like kind of a bucket list thing even being here with you today. So I really appreciate it, man. Well, thanks again, Alex. And then we'll make sure all the stuff you listed out will be provided in the show notes. And where's the best place for folks to connect with you? Yeah. So if you're interested in Podmatch, what we just talked about, Harry will have a link for you to that. And then creatingabrand.com is my show. If you're interested in checking that out, I know we talked about it a little bit as well. So that's just creatingabrand.com. You can find everything that I'm involved with there. Thanks again, Alex. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it, Harry. Thank you. Thanks again to Alex for coming on the show. Really enjoyed that heartfelt conversation with him and grateful for getting to know him a little bit better as a friend. Full show notes at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 261. 
intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our longtime super supporter of the show, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2 Pro podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with Craig Hewitt, founder of Castos and host of Seeking Scale. And if you made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this retention hashtag of the week. Let's go with Brand Alex, B-R-A-N-D-A-L-E-X. Tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Alex at Alex J. Sanfilippo. So that's A-L-E-X-J-S-A-N-F-I-L-I-P-P-O. As always, thanks for all you do to support this show. And if you're looking for an additional way to spread the word, tell at least one new friend about the show and how much you're enjoying it. I appreciate everything you do. Talk to you next week.